and behold, the heavens were open. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? have our own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas. Like, what is biblical love? You know, what is what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but His love, like, through us, is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 404. I'm already talking about ETS and SBL. My name is Caleb Hag. Yeah. One month to SBL. I've got two presentations to get in order. I'm Rob Banoff. Have you gotten your book yet? Which one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SBL? I don't have it. <clears throat> Did the, every my, name's show- my name's written in that book. Everybody is so woke. It's ridiculous. I think both, both, my, both my papers are on Sunday. So I've got like a Sunday morning session and a Sunday afternoon session. So I think that's the 20th, 20th of November. Yeah, man. Very cool. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. It's weird because I'm... So for those who don't know, let's, let's tell everybody what's going on. For those who don't know... Um, the ETS is the Evangelical Theological Society. The SBL is a Society of Biblical Literature. They have annual meetings back-to-back. Uh, this year, it changes every year. This year, it's in Denver, Colorado. We go, our staff of Dual Resource goes every single year. Um, and uh, we always have a fantastic time. Hang on. 
and, you and uh, me hundreds, both, man. What is it? Hundreds of papers all at once. It's amazing, and uh, we have a, a wonderful time, and and uh, we get to see a lot of papers, a lot of groundbreaking archaeological digs. We look uh, at also, papers. We all stare at papers. Yes, that's all, all we do. But uh, this year is a little different because I am, so I'm happy with the ETS's theme this year, which is holiness. That's going to be interesting. But what's, uh, it's also a little bit uh, interesting because I don't have a focus of study this year that I've been really diving into. I've mainly been looking at to- the Torah and the holiness code and stuff like that. So there's not really anything that I've seen yet. I've only gone through the Saturday lineup of SBL to see what uh, what's going on. So it's I'm but I am I'm getting excited. My whole family's going this year, so that's going to be that is going to be different. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. Just just put Ben up in the front row. <laughs> ben <laughs> is nine, and he would probably get more of it than most people there. <laughs> he's uh yeah the theological savant okay uh, i'd like to thank everyone in the chat room right now have a uh small but strong showing it was always good and uh, i'm gonna go through this real quick if you want to be part of this conversation 253-465-3205 it's 253-465-3205 you can also shoot us an email chegatorresource.com it's chegatorresource.com i'm gonna tell you right now the showing for uh, people sending in topics, voicemails, and and the whatnot has uh, been strong recently. We've we've we're probably nice. we probably have enough topics for the next four or five shows. Now that should not detour you from yes, sending. Don't, don't stop. Don't stop. We love it. Uh, send it on mm-hmm. in. But what we do not have right now is a mystery Bible theater three thousand video for this Friday. So if you have something wackadoo, go ahead and send it in. CIGatorresource.com. We will we will just have a lot of fun with that as well. And if you're not watching that series, we've gotten a lot of good feedback from it. Um, just a lot of a lot of crazy out there, isn't there? A lot of crazy. Anyway, that's all I got. Let's uh, let's move in. <laughs> let's move into our topics. Andrew writes what in. This are is what he's, yeah, go ahead. Andrew writes in, this is what he says. He says, to piggyback, now this is a uh, YouTube comment on a very specific video, and to be completely frank with you, I don't remember which video, but that's okay. He's going to set it up anyway. To piggyback off something that was discussed earlier in the episode, as a non-Jewish Christian, how are we to understand how to celebrate the feast days? We obviously have the instructions in the Torah. True. But with the fall feast days coming up, this was written a couple weeks ago, I find myself looking to Judaism to guide how to celebrate. But is this the correct approach? This is interesting because we're told by many within the like messianic realm that without the rabbis, we don't know how to celebrate the festivals, right? Like we're resting on Judaism alone to know how to celebrate the festivals. And so we should then, as the, the as the theory goes, if we're going to listen to the rabbis on anything, <clears throat> we should listen to the rabbis on everything. And of course, when people say listen to the rabbis, they don't they don't tell you what they mean. Do they mean just the Mishnah, just the Talmud, the Mishnah and the Talmud? Are we throwing the Zohar in there as well? A whole lot of anyway. So it's a great question. 
Is there evidence of how the first century Gentile believers observed the feast days and Sabbath? Are we to believe that it was the same as the Jews, or was it a unique expression informed by their unique culture? Their food, obviously, as long as it was biblically clean, dancing, music, art, etc. This is a great question. Yeah, it is. Really good What's question. his name? Andrew. Oh, nice. Yeah, great yeah. question, Andrew. Thank you. It, it Funny picture. I'm thinking of like, if you've never had our pizza, you've never had pizza, right? The idea of like, at, as an advertiser or. Connect the never, dots for me. I don't know what you're talking about. You've never, you've never been to a birthday celebration at the Hague's house. You've never celebrated a birthday. All right. So like, if you don't then, do it the way words, the Jews do it. There's a, you have to understand there's a marketing aspect and a polemical right. aspect that is part of under part of when you look at tradition there is an element that that emerges with the rabbinic world post 70 right. that is if you've never had our pizza you've never had pizza so you could call it pizza but if it's not sprinkled by rabbinic sanction it's it's never done it and it's like you could read the torah but you don't even know the torah if you, it doesn't matter that you've read the Torah because you haven't read. The you Torah think under you're, our... you're you think you're observing Torah. You're not observing Torah unless you observe our Torah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you got to, as long as you keep that in mind. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking, "Hey, how do you know? How did uh, Jews in uh, medieval time keep the Sabbath?" You know, you could look at. There's all sorts of his, Jewish historians have looked at all this kind of stuff. How are contemporary <clears throat> Um, Orthodox Jews in Israel, what, is, what are some traditions they observe? There's nothing wrong with looking at how, uh, how, like he says, cultural expressions. There's going to be that same cultural diversity within the Jewish world. I mean, some of the big uh, gravitational points would be like the Ashkenazim and the, the Sephardic tradition. Right. They, they're different expressions. I think isn't the Sephardic, the Sephardic will eat like rice, like there's a, rice is a feature in Pesach and in, in unleavened bread, or it's not in um, Ashkenazic tradition, right? I think, we're, I, okay, but what, what you're getting into, I think is a little bit of the minutia, but, but. But the point is the same. The point is it, I'm giving you those because they're easy examples, but sure. you trace it down, it is going to be a unique expression. I, I, so I really like where Andrew's head is in terms of thinking this. There's nothing wrong with looking at how different communities have celebrated and, and, but you always realize it's not scripture and you're going to compare it against scripture. So the, one of the things that my family did this year that uh, we, and we, this was a shift in the past, I don't know, three years is we went from the traditional rabbinical Jewish sukkah, sukkah right? Three walled structure branches over mm -hmm. the top, right? With decorations inside. So we went from that, and moved to a tent. And if you were to ever see a, you know, if a if an Orthodox Jew ever saw us in a tent, this would be like you're doing it wrong, right? You're doing it wrong. We need to doing clip. it wrong. Yeah. But but the point wrong. the point is is that uh, I I think okay first let's stop and slow down for just a second. Rob and I have been very critical of, of rabbinical. Uh, uh, certain rabbinical customs uh, on this show. And we've been 
uh, perhaps even more critical of the Messianic movement that have adopted certain rabbinical traditions. Now, with that said, many people might assume that we are against all rabbinical tradition. This is not the case. In fact, I think that there are some rabbinical traditions that I think, just as I think that there are some Christian traditions, that I think are very good and bring us closer to God. And if a tradition does that, we shouldn't be dogmatic about it. However, it, that means that we, if, if a tradition is going to bring us closer to God, and it's not something that's found, you know, for the that is not implemented for the wrong reasons, then I think that absolutely we should keep those. I'll give you an example even. Uh, you know, my family, I grew up saying the traditional Jewish prayers at various times. So we say, uh, you know, the there, there was a prayer for lighting the candles. My family modified it because of different reasons. So there's a modified prayer that we say for the lighting of the candles. The fact that we light candles on Erev Shabbat to enter in the, the Sabbath is a rabbinic tradition. That is found nowhere in scripture. The fact that we would bless the Lord for uh, and sanctify the Sabbath with a prayer, or that we would say a prayer over wine, or that we'd say a prayer over the food, these are all traditions that my family has retained. Now, if you look at the rest of our Arab Shabbat meal, it's very non-traditional in any Jewish sense. Those are the only rabbinic traditions that we have retained. Why have we done that? Well, we've retained those because we find them to be good traditions. Are they rabbinic? Absolutely. Are they bad? No, they're not bad. And so I don't want people to think that we're just down on all rabbinic tradition. If you if you find rabbinic tradition within the festivals that you think is, is beneficial, that's great. What I'm against is people who think that rabbinic tradition is as good as law. In other words, if you think, hey, my tradition is was sanctioned by the rabbis, therefore it's better than your tradition, or uh, you have to do it, or this is the way that the community has to do it, that's where we are getting into major trouble. The only thing that, you know, sola scriptura, is the, the scriptures are the final authority on matters of practice. So um, I don't have a problem if people find tradition uh, from the rabbis within within the uh, the festivals. However, when we talk about the and I'll pass this back over to you here in just a second. When we talk about what we have to do on the festivals, this right here should be the guiding the guiding lamppost for us. Does what does it say about Sukkot? We're in the festival of Sukkot at the time that we're recording this. What does it say about Sukkot? It says to build a temporary dwelling, a temporary, you know, and there's different translations of this, but a sukkah, right? To build a sukkah and to dwell in the sukkah for eight, for seven days. That's what it says, to rejoice. Uh, there could be dialogue and debate over whether or not the four elements that are supposed to be brought into the sukkah are, are specific to Israel or whether or not we should do that in every single sukkah, all, even in the diaspora. Um, but ultimately there are specific commands. We're supposed to be happy and rejoice. We're supposed to dwell in tents or dwell in a sukkah. That's what, that's what the commands are. And so outside of that, outside of those commands, I think, I think that we have free reign to, uh, observe tradition or we have free reign to create our own family tradition or our own community tradition. And I think each community and each family will inevitably do that no matter what. Rob? Yeah, good. Well said. I think. I think also, you know, where Yeshua says this: the Sabbath was uh, made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That 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 same principle applies for the feasts. 
and the feasts right. were made for us. Right. And, and, but we are not made for them. And it, what that means is the priority in God's creation is humanity is our, is humankind, man. And of course the, uh, we are made in God's image. That means we are, he designed us to, to be able to have the capacity to be covenant partners with him, reflecting right. his glory. And Yeshua is the, the incarnate, uh, God who reflects that glory perfectly and also purchases redemption for those because all have sinned and, and we've, we've marred our capacity because of sin, uh, to, to be covenant partners. And in him, we have that restoration to that place and, and walking with God day by day is it, you know, like Yeshua says, enough evil for today. You don't worry about tomorrow. In other words, as we walk with God, we, we grow in discernment and wisdom about heavenly sure. priorities and God knows our need in this world to be refreshed again and again and again and renewed. So we have, he gives us the rhythm of the weekly Shabbat. He gives us the feast days as a necessary because, because they're from him. They, they are his wisdom, but we need to take them and, and embrace them. And, but we don't become under them. They, they're not like a cross we bear. They right. are a aid, a necessary aid. I'm not saying they're they're uh, because I believe they're obligatory, but uh, these are not, it's not like here, you right. might, you might try this. It's not, I don't mean to imply that, but it's for, but they are for us. Sprinkle to, this on your salad and yeah. see how you like it. They're, they're, they're to help edify the body, right? The feasts edify the body. And they do that by magnifying the, the blessings that we have as covenant members. And of course, with Sukkot specifically, like you mentioned, we're in, we're in tabernacles right now. Joy is a core, if you want to say emotional or spiritual component that is front and center. He says, you will rejoice. You will have joy. And, and so the question of where does our joy come from? Am I, do I find joy in, uh, things of the flesh or do I recognize that true joy is the freedom of my forgive the forgiveness of my sin that I have because of what the King of Israel did on my behalf, because he loved me and he died for me. And when you recognize that we do not have to solve our own sin problem, but well, a, we have to recognize the gravity of our sin problem for all human. And then the fact that, my, that I don't have to pay for that. Right. That's a, it's a most humbling, but the, 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 like, you know, the amazing grace song, you know, it's, it's amazing grace. And there's a, there's the, what the scriptures call the joy of our salvation. So there are themes and I know I'm long rabbit trail here, but the feasts are for us, just like the Sabbath is for us. And the feasts, the biblical, uh, text itself tells us what to focus on as priorities. And I think we do want to take and integrate our local culture. That's, and of course, every thought has to be taken captive for Messiah. So I'm not going to bring a pagan thing, you know, that's into the celebration of a feast day. So, but also 
we we're because we have this cyclical liturgical kind of function of the feasts and the Shabbat, God knows that we're like trees that grow. We're going to grow. We're going to get pruned. We're going to be more fruitful and we're going to get pruned again. We're going to be more fruitful. So these thoughts, I just share all these thoughts to say, look, cause to some, you know, I remember when I first started learning about this, I was really judgment, self judgmental, self critical. Sure. I gotta, I gotta get this right. Otherwise it doesn't count. Like I had this, this idea of self of harsh judgment, self judgment. And it took a while. It took a couple of years for the Lord to soften my heart and say, look, you know, you're, you're getting that from these other teachers that are really not very good teachers of my word, you know? And so I think we all have to kind of come to our own confidence of like where we stand as covenant members sure. in Yeshua and, and be okay with the learning process. Okay. I'm going to stop. I've gone along. So like, as you were talking, one of the things that I thought about was just the festival of Sukkot and the idea of, you know, <clears throat> he he came and, and tabernacled with us, right? And this is one oh, of the yeah, focus, yeah. one of the focuses that we that we as believers focus on during the festival of Sukkot. However, what struck me is we actually get this picture in the Torah for for your God walks in your midst, right? He is in your midst. He he dwells among you. And now obviously the tabernacle was was the focal point. Israel was camped around the tents of meeting. But ultimately, I think this is all a picture, right, um, of of what the Messiah uh, is is for us and and how it will be. Anyway, okay, shall we move on? Yeah. All right, let's do it. I don't know who put this in the chat room. Tovia Singer is a great speaker as well. <laughs> Uh, I needed com I needed comedy today. Thank you. Is that a for troll? Is that what we call a troll? I think so. <laughs> I think so. That's okay. That's okay. I'm gonna actually turn on my soundboard because that made me that made me think of a sound clip. And this always makes my my computer run a little slow for just a, a few seconds. Hang on just a second. Let me open this up. Okay. Let's uh, while this is opening, let's read another comment. This is from Jim Bob. I love this com this comment. So Jim Bob, but also Yeshua's slave is the handle. Um, and this comment has a lot going on in it because I think in the end he is agreeing with us, but it doesn't sound like that in the beginning. Now we have to be careful because uh, Jim Bob here uses uh, terms from the scriptures, right? So he says, dear fellow believers, Please understand that we are not under the law. And then he cites a significant amount of scriptures from Romans. Now, let's stop right there for a second. I completely agree with Jim Bob on this. We are not under the law. I think that many within the mainstream Christian uh, movement, though, however, they have not understood what it means to be under the law. What does it mean to be under the law as opposed to not under the law? And this is where I think there's a lot of confusion. So I agree completely with Jim Bob. We're not under the law. But how I understand this is in the context of how Paul uses it, which means under the condemnation of the law, as being freed from sin through Christ and the Holy Spirit, we are not under the condemnation of the law. Many people believe that the term under the law means having to keep the law. We certainly keep the covenant stipulations. And we know this 
from the apostolic scriptures, from the apostles, from the writer, from Paul, right? From John, uh, sin is lawlessness, right? So the point is, is that we have to understand how under the law is being used. I completely agree with Jim Bob that we are not under the law. As believers, we have come out from the condemnation he, of the law. But would he under, would he explain it the same way you're? I agree with you. I think you did a great job. You could preach on that, Caleb. Oh, thank the, you. Uh, I, I was hoping you were just going to stand up and start. No, do you think he? I get a sense that he doesn't mean, mean it the same way. Well, let's but read. Let's get, maybe we should. Let's continue. read the following comment. And this is why I think you might be right. He says this. He says, "Please remember." That whoever observes the day, observes it to the Lord. Romans 14, 5. Now, let's go to Romans 14. And Is he going to go King James on us here? I don't know. I'm not, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the ESV on this one. Uh, let's start in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Okay, so I, we actually touched on this a couple weeks ago. Um, and remember, I said that initially I had believed that this is talking about fast days, but the fact that he says, while the weak person eats only vegetables. My father has taught on, on Romans. You, he has a complete Romans commentary. He also has an entire 99 uh, audio uh, and video. I think there's video too, uh, teaching through Romans. In that, in both of those, he uh, describes his view on this, and, the, and his view on this, which he has won me over to, is that uh, the dispute is actually over meat that was sold in the marketplace, and the fact that the meat that was sold in the, in the marketplace was inevitably uh, offered to a pagan deity. And so Paul is now uh, talking to the Romans about whether or not they should eat this meat. Some people say, no, it was offered to a, a false god, we can't eat it. And Paul seems to think you can eat it as long as you don't participate in the ritual sacrifice itself. In other words, I'm not participating in the paganism, but the meat, it's offered to nothing. It's it's So it's just meat. Don't worry about it. And one person says, I can eat the meat, while the other person says, I can eat only vegetables. Many people have used this text to say, see, we can eat uh, we, we don't, we don't have to keep the kosher laws. Uh, clearly Paul is not referring to the kosher laws here. Uh, 14, three, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the, on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than the uh, than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now this is this in my mind may be a shift to he's still talking about food in my opinion. This he might be uh, uh, now sh shifting towards fast days. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. Let's stop for now. Okay, so I think that he has gone from uh, meat in the, in the market to fast days. I don't think that he's talking about Sabbaths and I don't think that he's talking about festivals. Rob? Uh, I, I think he's talking about meat in the marketplace here. I mean, and, but the... Uh, versus people who are eating vegetables are they're suspicious of the meat that's the point they're coming and they're seeing meat on the table 
and they're suspicious of it. And so there, uh, there's a problem there then. What do you have? And I, I mean, probably you don't have to be in the messianic movement very long to have been at it like an Oneg where you have, well, I mean, here, here, here's an example. We once, you know, at, at Oneg, there was a family that brought, they like stopped by Costco on, on Shabbat and bought like a couple of those baked chickens. Oh yeah. And then they bring, and then they bring that. And then there's like this murmur, like people are like, wait, I'm not going to eat that. You know I mean? Uh, because they, it, it, their conscience was like, you know, I understand their intent. They're probably new, you know, but I'm just, I'm just not going to eat that chicken, you know? So they're or, left with three chickens and they just take, yeah, yeah. now they got, th- people, maybe that was the plan people, all along. Maybe they just people, wanted to take chicken home. <laughs> people stopped by like a pizza place and brought pizzas, you know? Now it's like, oh, well, it didn't, you know, no pepperoni or whatever. So, but the issue wasn't then that it was like, so the idea is that, is there a principle at work in someone's conscience that they're looking at the food and it doesn't have to be that it's people tend to go right to the clean, unclean thing. It doesn't have to be that it can be some other thing. And it's a flag. Right. It's like, you know what? I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, there's some uncertainty here. I'm, right. I'm hesitant. And Paul says, that's okay. It's okay for people to, to, to have their own opinion about that sort of thing. Um, when it comes down to says, but I've known, but the you know, Lord Jesus has, has shown me that not to call or that there is nothing koinos in and of itself. And to him who considers it koinos, to him it's koinos. That is, and I think we talked about this last week or the week before, I think the tree of life version translates that unholy and it's just bad. Right. And it's not unclean either. It, koinos is a kind of certification of, of okay food. Like we talked about the six different kinds of kosher certification available right. on a flight to Israel. Right. I mean, they're not, it's not like, it's not a pork versus beef issue. Right. It's, it's not that it's, it's, it's whether or not other... you think that their rabbi is legitimate enough to kosher food. Right. Yeah. And it could be hostility between rabbinic uh, legacies or dynasties, you know, in the Hasidic world. Right. Like, you know, there, there could be some group of, of Hasidim that will not, will not eat with another a Hasid from another rabbi. Right. Right. I mean, we knew we know this happened in in the late 18th century in Eastern Europe between the uh, Vilna Gaon, you know, the the Mitnagdim, and the early Chabad, right? Early Hasidim. I mean, they 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 all studied the same text. It's not like, you know, but but they would not uh, fellowship with each other because there was, um, you know, what were perceived as violations of the core tradition of uh, violations that is by the Chabad. And they weren't called Chabad at the time, but they were the early Hasidic movement. And um, so when, when it came to food, they would not eat together, but it wasn't a matter of, Oh, they serve pork. It had to do with there was, there was political and social. That's, but that's still going on. That's still yeah, going yeah. on. Well, that's with what it, that's how we need to understand Romans fourteen. But, but I guess my point is, is that like, like you know, the story of the uh, 
I forget what Hasidic group it is, but but the uh, the the dad died, and then the question was, well, who is the next next tzaddik for this Hasidic movement? And so currently, there's two rabbis that are like a brother and a brother-in-law, and they have these two communities, and they're fighting back and forth, even though it's the same. You know, it's like the same community just split, but you know, it's like the it's like the the two popes. You know, who do you listen to? And now we got a now we got another Pope in Avignon. It, 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 it's yeah, this anyway. So we've see it, we've seen it not only in Hasidic Judaism, we've seen it in Christianity as well. This is why Paul frames Romans 14. He starts out chapter 14. No. <laughs> no. He he uh it's about you re, be, re receive people into the fellowship, but not unto not to fight, not to disputation. Cause because some people come in and they're bullies. And they're troublemakers and they want to come in and they're going to start nitpicking. So actually, so you're, you're kind of speaking to, uh, what was this gentleman's name? Jim Bob. Sorry. Sorry, Jim Bob. You're kind of speaking to his next point. He says, yes, I agree that, that, that our Saturday is the Sabbath. So this must've been on the video of whether or not the church had the right to change the Sabbath to Sunday, which we said it wasn't, but a lot of people misunderstood that. I don't, anyway. Uh, so I agree that our Saturday is the Sabbath, but it is not so important that we belittle a fellow believer for worshiping on Sunday or any other day or who keeps all days equally as long as they are doing it for the Lord. Let's stop right there for a second. I agree that we should not belittle other believers for uh, for, for any belief. We should try to show the truth. With that said, uh, no, it, just because somebody believes that they are keeping the Sabbath on every day or that they're keeping the Sabbath on Sunday or that they're keeping it on Monday does not mean that they are in the right or that they're okay, that that's okay. God specifically gives us a day. He makes a, he makes a specific thing. Holy. It's just like, you know, it's interesting because, uh, nobody has a problem with God saying, look, this space of the temple Mount, this is, this is holy space. And, and if you come in here as an unholy person or into the Holy of Holies, you'll be put to death. Everybody's like, okay, you can't, no one would say, well, for me, that space is in my house. So if anyone goes into my bedroom, I'm going to kill him. Everybody, oh, okay. He's just moved God's holy space to a different place. That's totally fine. God gave us a very specific day that is the Sabbath. It is a holy day. He's declared that holy. We can't just change it. We can't just say, now it's on Monday. That's not how it works, and that's not what the Bible says either. He says, uh, Jim Bob goes on, he says, we belong to the Lord and under spiritual love and not to fleshly things. I agree with that. Therefore, let us not uh, put a stumbling block in your fellow believer's way. I also agree with that, but I think he's using this differently now. Romans 14, 13. Thank you for your teaching and your education. Thank you, Jim Bob, for your comment. Anything else on that before we move on, Rob? Well, yeah, the, the uh, back to the idea of, uh, oh, maybe I'm misremembering. Was it a- Andrew's question before was about the uh, adopting or transforming good local culture and tradition right. into yep. the, um, but while that is good, what happens when you say, oh, well, it's really just one day and seven now? Well, you know, well, my culture is that we keep the Sabbath on Monday or Tuesday, right? That's, there's a place where no, you're, you're now writing your own scripture. You're now creating your own religion. Okay. And you're, and, and so there's a, there is, 
there is a place that believers have to come to terms with a, what is, do they believe in a canon of scripture? B, do they believe that God is unchanging and that his Torah is eternal in the heavens, as it says in Psalm 119. And then they got to, you know, flesh that out, like work that out. Um, because there, there is no justification for the establishment of Sunday as the new um, religious day of worship. And we're going to talk about all this in just a second. There's actually a comment specifically about this. Hang on just a sec. I want to address something in the chat room. Uh, this has been said a couple on a couple of different shows, and we've never uh, we've never actually uh, addressed it. So we'll address it now. Um, we were talking about the idea of food offered to Id- idols, and Brandon says, "But once you know it's offered, you shouldn't eat it." And I said, "Why?" And he says, First Corinthians ten twenty seven through twenty eight. Let's go to it. Um, I'm going to push. <clears throat> I'm going to push back on this. I so I don't think that that is actually what this passage says. He says. Uh, in 27, it says, for if one of, of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you. In other words, it doesn't matter if something's been offered to idols, uh, set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. So the point is, is that it, he said that you have to take the rest of, of what Paul says about f- food offered to idols. He has this huge section that stretches all the way back to eight. He says, it doesn't matter if you eat food offered to idols. And the, the reason why is because as long as you're not participating in the idolatry itself, uh, then there is no such, they're false gods. It's, it's not exactly, it, it's, it doesn't it's matter. A, uh, Caleb, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, uh, or thanks for whoever posted that comment that drew us into this to, to bring this to light. Paul says they're, they're, they're not, there's no consequence, right? right? That's his point that it's not like there's some, Paul is not superstitious about the meat. Right. And you're not saying, doing anything wrong. If you eat halal meat, that's the point. It's if somebody, if, if the, if, if the person in your congregation says you're doing something wrong by eating halal meat, then you acquiesce for the sake of the weaker brother. That's the point you say, okay, not a problem. And we have to remember that there is nowhere in the scriptures anywhere that tells us if you find meat and it may have been offered to idols, you can't eat it. It says that you're not allowed to participate in the table of, of uh, in the table of demons, right? Or in the Torah, it tells us that we're not allowed to participate in the sacrifice to, to false gods. But once the meat is sacrificed and that that's all done and over with, there's nothing against the idea of coming and taking that meat and eating it. It's the participation in the idolatry that's the problem with it. So if somebody says to you, "Look, that meat has been offered to halal. You sh- it's been offered to all. It's halal. You can't eat that." Okay, for the sake of the brother who do- who might not get it, I abstain. That's the point. For the sake of the brother, and- right? But the, but the point is that he is the assumption is not that that weaker brother now sets the tone for everything in the future of what's acceptable. That. Paul's saying that 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 weaker brother is on a trajectory of learning and he's going to understand the same thing, but he could have just come from being a a worshiper of, you know, whatever. And so he, that would be a stumbling block for him. Right. Anyway, good points. Okay. But Paul's uh, not going to, but, but that same brother could be saying, Oh, I I need to go convert to that rabbinic group over there because they're so stringent. And, and that's what I need to do to, so I can feel confident about my, 
my identity, you know, and Paul's going to say, no, your identity is in, is in Messiah, not in, you know, affiliation with some sort of religious club. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, he, uh, Brandon writes back, he says, this was the, an unbeliever offering food though, or was a brother at the same dinner with Paul. It seems to me within the context that there is a, a brother, another brother at the, at the table that says, Hey, this is offered. And I mean, we have to take it once again in context, he's talking about the brother in the Lord who has a problem with you eating food offered to idols. In other words, he's the one who doesn't understand. That's how I've, that's how I understand the, the entire, and remember this, this conversation for Paul stretches several chapters of our Bible. Okay. Leighton writes in and says this, was it a sin? This is once again, back to our same video of us talking about whether or not the church had the ability to change the Sabbath to Sunday. We said, no, we said, it doesn't matter. They're not the majority calendar. The majority are the people who carry the covenant, which Paul even says is the Jews. So their majority calendar is the one that we follow. And Leighton says, was it a sin for Israel to switch and keep the Sabbath on Sunday during persecution? Let's stop right there. There's a second part to this question. However, let's stop right there. It is true that the Jews did uh, switch their observance of the Sabbath to Sunday during certain persecutions when they were going to be put to death for keeping the Sabbath. Was it a sin for them to switch? It depends. It wasn't a sin for them to not work and to worship on another day. We could do that any day of the week. If I take the day off and I decide to dedicate it to the Lord, that's fine. However, the question is, is the seventh day, no matter what the persecution is, is the seventh day still the Sabbath? And the answer is yes. It doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what persecution is going on. God has set apart a day. That's the point. So the seventh day, whether or not you're observing it or not, whether or not people, whether or not the synagogue is observing it or not, it doesn't matter. God has observed, has, has set apart the Sabbath day as the Sabbath. It is the seventh day Sabbath. That's what it is. It's been like that from day one. Well, from day seven, right? <laughs> from the seventh day of, of, uh, of existence, of this world existing, the Sabbath has been implemented. God observed it. We observe it. That's what it is. And now it's the sign of the, of the Mosaic Covenant. There you go. So we can't change it, no matter the persecution. Do you want to say anything about that before yeah, we move on know, with this, this comment? This came up as a halakhic issue in the Second Temple period, because with right. uh, the whole persecution of the Maccabees, <clears throat> or pardon me, but that led up to the Maccabean revolt, was the Greeks coming in, the Syrians, you know, coming in from the north and waiting to the Sabbath day to attack Jews, because they knew that Jews' policy would would be to not fight back because it's the Sabbath. And it was a day to exploit that uh, religious tradition. Um, but so then the Maccabees say, you know, no, we need to save life on the Shabbat. We, it, you need to fight to protect, uh, uh, protect yourself on Shabbat. So that became a legal um, issue. Is it okay for Jews to defend themselves and fight even on the Sabbath day? And so, um, so yeah, the idea of avoiding persecution does not, it, it doesn't, we, we don't, it's not in scripture anyway. It, whenever that happened, it didn't happen in the biblical record. Right. Yes, of course. Okay. Um, I'm just catching up on 
what's going on in the chat room. Looks like we got some weird stuff going on here uh, in terms of our stream. I apologize for that. Okay, second part of this question from Leighton. Plus, if persecution happens today and we are in a similar situation, then would it be okay to switch to Sunday for the Sabbath? Once again, we can't switch the Sabbath. God has ordained that the seventh day is the Sabbath. That's all there is to it. The Sabbath is Saturday. Church can't change it. The Pope can't change it. The Jews can't change it. I would even argue that since God has decreed it for eternity, that God will, won't change it. That it, it it's unchangeable. I mean, this goes back to the, if God created a rock too, can God create a rock too big that he can't lift it? And I'm not a philosopher. I don't really care about questions like that. Let's put it into a biblical question. Can God now change the Sabbath if he's decreed that the Sabbath should be observed for eternity? And I would argue, no, because he's decreed something already. He cannot, yeah. he can't change that decree. Well, God can't lie. And, and Yeshua right. said the Sabbath was made for man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm so I'm so confused by this. Seventh day is the Sabbath, not Saturday. I'm not what. Somebody in the chat room named Z just says the like keeps saying that the the Sabbath is on the seventh day, not Saturday. I don't know what kind of Hebrew roots nonsense this is, but the maybe they're day being is oh Saturday. no, Saturday is midnight to midnight kind of thing. Maybe it's the, they believe that the name Saturday is pagan and therefore we shouldn't call it Saturday. You're going to have problems with the Bible itself and the, and the fact that uh, the Bible uses uh, names of the month that are pagan deities. So I don't know what the point is, but okay. F fair enough, I guess. It's a very odd comment. Okay, let's move on. Um Matthew writes in, he says this, so maybe I don't understand your theology, okay? But in prior videos, I have heard you say that, that a Sunday Christian that keeps Sunday as their Sabbath is faithful to God's covenant. Let's stop. Okay. What I'm saying, and what you may have heard me say, is that I believe <laughs> that keeping the seventh day Sabbath doesn't make you a covenant member. That's what I've said. So I believe that there are Christians who are Sunday believers, Sunday churchgoers that know Christ, have been called by Christ, and uh, may not know that they should be keeping the Sabbath on Saturday, that are true covenant believers. There are even Christians who have been told they should be keeping the Sabbath on Saturday and don't believe that because of various different reasons. And I would still say that they're covenant members. Works do not save us. God saves us. And those who want to push back on this, I would just remind you that God chose the high priest to be someone who literally built a golden calf for all of Israel to worship and retained him as the high priest even after that event. So I know, you know, Brandon keeps every single week, every single week, Brandon asks, um, oh, he's a lunar Sabbatarian. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we were right. Wackadoodle. Um, okay. So thank you, Brandon. Um, 
So Brandon asks every single week, can people be a covenant members who don't keep the Sabbath? I would ask the question in response to that question, can, can Aaron be a covenant member, even though he built a golden calf and, and brought all Israel to worship a golden calf? That's one of the 10 commandments. And I, and he says after he repented, okay, I, but did he repent? It, the way that I read it is that he says, Hey man, I just threw all this gold into the, into the fire and, and out popped a, uh, a golden calf. So, I mean, obviously repentance seems to be implied, but I don't see Aaron. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong and, and I could certainly be, be wrong, but show me the verse where he says, Hey, I repent of making the golden calf. According to my understanding, what he says is I threw in the, the gold and out popped a, uh, out popped a, 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 an idol. Sorry. Right. So the point is, is that no one is perfect. If you want to, uh, if you want to try to say that, uh, someone is perfect and that they, that, that look, I, uh, okay, I'm going to go down a rabbit trail myself here. Okay. I posted on my Facebook page the other day, a, uh, there's a gentleman who goes to ETS uh, every year. Uh, he has a, a very, very good YouTube channel called, what do you meme? What do you meme? Not what do you mean? What do you meme? And, uh, you can go check out his, his YouTube channel. He's a believer in, and, uh, gives commentary on, uh, all sorts of, of different things in the world from a Christian perspective. And he had the opportunity recently in the past couple weeks to go and interview Jeffrey Dahmer's pastor. Now, Jeffrey Dahmer was a, a horrific uh, serial killer and uh, did just unspeakable things uh, in his life. And uh, t- once he was put in prison and convicted of, I don't know how many murders, I think it was, uh, it was a lot of murders. Uh, once he was convicted of, of those, uh, these heinous crimes, he uh, confessed to be a a Christian, and he asked to be baptized. And so uh, there was this uh, there was this interview that what do you meme uh, did with this pastor and talking about Jeffrey Dahmer and uh, the the change in Dahmer and how he, uh, this pastor took him through Romans and and uh, the changes that he saw in in Dahmer and these kind of things. Would anyone have ever thought that Dahmer, and I mean people even today question whether or not Dahmer could be saved. But the point is, is that all of us, all of us are as far away from Christ without Christ. We're as far away from God without Christ as Dahmer was. Dahmer's not a worse person than me because he did different kinds of sins. We are all tainted by sin and we are all separated from God because of our sin. It's the same. We, there's a chasm of, of sin between us and God. It's only through Christ that the bridge is built. And so I'm not going to say that a person who is wrong about the Sabbath is not a covenant member. That's my point. Am I saying that they're right for not keeping the Sabbath on Saturday? Absolutely not. Do you want to say anything there, Rob? Yeah, you got, you got to be, we just have to be careful that you, you don't, use God's law to beat people over the head. 
that that's not how that's that's just contrary to the nature of new creation the new creation is god writes his torah on the heart and you need to you need to we we are to look for fruit we're not to look for what's not there um and that requires a spirit of gentleness and as paul says you know in galatians 6 if if you see a brother who's uh trapped in transgression you who are spiritual you know bring seek restoration but be careful i would just you know suggest great great caution if someone is let's say you know you believe the sabbath is the seventh day sabbath you know saturday and you have a friend who believes that that sunday is the day of worship but maybe they don't call it the sabbath but it's the new day of worship and you're frustrated because you're feeling man you know i why is it so clear to me but it's not clear to them well you need to be on your knees you need to be in prayer about that because that's a ripe place for for the enemy to to jump in and you bite onto that pride and then you lift yourself up thinking that now you're better or you have something that this other brother doesn't have and that's dangerous dark dangerous territory right so just just a quick total side note here uh, I realized that my internet was uh, doing some weird stuff. So I switched my internet. There might've been some lag there to a different uh, internet Wi-Fi. Hopefully that will change and fix the problems. Okay. Um, but maybe it won't. And I apologize. Okay. So let's go, let's continue on with the, um, with this person's Matthew, his uh, question. However, God's covenant only provides for one weekly Sabbath, which is on the seventh day. Totally agree with you. Now, it is mutually exclusive for two groups to keep the one correct Sabbath on two separate days. I don't agree with that. I'm not saying that, that the, the uh, Christian who keeps uh, Sunday as their holy day is in the right. That is not what I'm saying. And I, anyone who thinks that I've said that, I, I, that's not what I've said. What I've said is that I don't think that th that makes them not a covenant member. That's what I've said. Either one or perhaps both are wrong, but under no circumstances could both be right. I completely agree with you. The seventh day Sabbath is the Sabbath. I think you are trying to have it both ways where you say obeying God's law is important, but everyone gets to define God's law to the best of their abilities. That's not what I'm saying. There is one law, one standard. We are held to it. And this is one of the reasons that I think it's so vitally important for every single believer to dive into the word. You can't just come and ask me what, what the Bible says. And this happened throughout for, for hundreds of years within the Catholic church, people would come to their bishop or their priest and they would ask what, you know, what the Bible said, because they didn't have their own Bible. We have the luxury of, of not only having Bibles in front of us in a printed form like this, we have computers now. You have Bible software, dive in, take some classes on how to study the Bible, take some classes on the original languages, do what you have to do to dive into the word and understand it yourself. The point is, yeah, is don't that let, don't, don't let, if, if someone is 
let's say someone you love or someone in, you know, your family, extended family is keeping the Sabbath on Sunday and they're, that's their conviction. You, you don't let that be a distraction to you. I mean, if that becomes now a thorn in your side, um, you know, you got to watch out for that. That's, that's not what it's for. There's someone else having that, having a, a conviction that Sunday is the proper day of worship should not, that, well, it's not that it should not, it does not exempt you from walking in grace and shalom and, and to be a blessing and to be a light. And so that might change the nature of, you know, someone's conviction about something that is untrue is going to limit maybe the nature of your relationship in some way. It, it might limit the conversation possibility, but you can still find fruit. If someone says they believe in Yeshua and you see fruit in their life, you need to, you need to rejoice in that fruit and you need to celebrate that and, and build legitimate relational connection if possible like have a real relationship with somebody and um you know it might it, it might be that you're disappointed because you want to talk about things that they aren't uh really ready to hear or want to hear so find something that you can talk about find something that you can share so or, uh, or just or say you know what you know we're friends but you know we just don't have a lot in common you know there's no reason to like burn a bridge or to, or to get angry or to tell somebody they're going to hell or they're not in the covenant. That's you're if you're saying stuff like that, you're in a bad way because you're so, not the judge and you're not the teacher. You're, you're not their teacher. You're not their judge and go and learn the scripture better yourself. That's, that's what I would say. So here Brandon says, isn't the Sabbath a bigger issue than this? Okay. I'm not saying the Sabbath is not a big issue. But I see this, you know, I a see this a little than what I just in terms of we're not making the Sabbath a big enough issue. Here's the thing, you know, within the United States, before Roe v. Wade was put down, people were, you know, the, the anti-abortionists, the pro-lifers like myself, many of us were saying it's a chisel, a chisel bit at a time. You can't just we're not going to just smash out abortion in the nation all at once. That's not going to happen. It's a little bit at a time. And the small victories become bigger and bigger and bigger victories. And guess what? That turned out to be true. Now Roe v. Wade is turned over. And now we're moving even more and more towards anti, like no abortion in certain places. This is great. Yeah, it's there's the plenty same. of there's plenty of Christians who who celebrate a Shabbat, uh, a Saturday Shabbat. But but the but the 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 point is this: the reformation that continues to happen in the church is a progress. And I understand that some people want to say, well, they have to keep every single part of the covenant perfect. Look at the church today compared to the church back in the 1400s. The, the progression is, I mean, if you look at the contrast between those two things, the Reformation is, has done some major work, and it is still happening. You cannot just say that, that the covenant members who, uh, who think that the Sabbath is on Sunday are not covenant members. What you have to do is you have to work and continue to try to show through love that that's not the case, that they need to reform their understanding of the Sabbath. And there have been people, especially in the past 20 to 30 years, that have done extraordinary work in that realm. And 
the thing is, is that I see some, you know, there are people who are so, you know, they're, they beat this so hard. They beat this drum so hard. I, I'm thinking of one particular teacher. I won't name a name, but I'm thinking of one particular teacher that basically said, you're not saved unless you, you know, do X, Y, Z. He wasn't doing any work in the church. He wasn't going and trying to show the church. He had a very specific audience. It was people that were already Torah observant, and he was just preaching to the choir. I didn't see him go and try to reform the church at all. What I saw him do is just speak to an audience. So, I mean, it, my point here is simply this. If, if you're that concerned about people keeping the Sabbath within the church, then do work to try to bring brothers and sisters around to that understanding. Okay. Well, let's keep going. I think we have... Oh, you know what? We're out of time, and that's fine because we have plenty to talk about next week. We have plenty to talk about the week after. Uh, we had, uh, we have just a ton to talk about, which is great. And I want you to still send stuff in because uh, we love that kind of that that kind of uh, backlog of stuff to talk about. With that said, please send us Mystery Bible Theater three thousand uh, videos. We need some for this week, which we will record on Thursday morning for Friday. We'll find something no matter what, even if you don't send something in. But if you got something wackadoo, let us know. Um, I am going to let you also see this 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. That's how you can get a hold of us. Leave us a voicemail. You won't talk to us. You just get a voicemail. Tell us what you love, hate. Tell us uh, what you want to know about, uh, what you want to know our views on, whatever it may be, or just write it up in an email, chegg at torresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. We hope that this Oh, where's my uh, audio? There we go. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters.